Welcome to episode 14 of the EKV podcast. In this episode, we have with us Diana Ansara, founder of Vincetta, a sustainable women's wear brand based in New York, focused on inclusivity and creating intentionally minimalist clothing. She uses 90% dead stock material to create beautifully thoughtful pieces and focuses on the less is more approach. A warm, self-reflective and inspiring individual, Diana shares with us her insightful thoughts on building a business that is sustainable and the importance of listening to yourself through the growth and running of the business. We discuss the connection between mental wellness and fashion, the power of dressing and expressing ourselves through our clothes. Hi, Diana. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It is such a pleasure and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, I remember the last time that we met was in New York. And even though we met for 10 or 15 minutes, I remember us having several conversations about all kinds of things. So I'm really excited to get in, get to know you better and get into things a lot deeper. Um my first question to you is about your journey with fashion. Where did it all begin? Uh, and what kind of experiences did you have with fashion growing up? And how has that, if at all, uh, shaped the way your brand has come to be? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started learning how to sew when I was in grade school. So I was quite young, maybe seven years old. Um it was against my own will. I did not want to learn this skill, but I'm kind of glad that I did. Um, I think everyone should know how to sew. Um, but uh, I was always just really creative because it was an outlet to just create. It didn't really matter of the outcome, but more of mm-hmm. the feeling of creation and like how healing that can be and how comforting it can be. And it kind of gives you this sense of like agency, like because in that moment, you're controlling every decision and every move when you mm-hmm. lack control everywhere else in your life. That's the one moment I had to have that sense of control and the comfort. So uh, it started kind of drawing, painting, sculpting, anything I can get my hands on, really. And like working with a lot of materials I just find. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would say uh, later in my teen years, I started kind of developing um, an interest in design and like draping fabric. And oh, what is this about? This is kind of like sculpting, but with fabric. And I think I've gone through so many variations of myself, of like finding me through dress through Mm -hmm. dressing up clothing um hair all of it you know and you know the funny thing is in the end I realized none of those things really matter and don't fully uh make you who you are but they are really an important part of your day so Mm -hmm. I kind of found a passion for that of like people making these decisions of what they're gonna wear every day and how they want to present themselves and I think that's really important Mm -hmm. um so I would say that's kind of the role it plays, and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and I think it's something I'll always love and that I'll incorporate into, like, my life's work. Um, but uh, I have so many other, like, cravings and things that I want to explore and ways to express myself. So I'm kind of 
in the process of finding almost like a hybrid of creating mm-hmm. clothing, coinciding with other things. Um, Tell us about I, that a little bit. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, maybe like, I'm like, so I don't like self promo. I'm so bad with it. And I'm really struggling with that. But Uh, you know, I'll lean into like the exciting part of it. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's like seeing so many things of like, just like a lack of humanity within fashion. Like Mm -hmm. we forget that even in design, hands have touched every single object, thing, clothing, anything, you name it, that has been designed, has gone through hands. It's very Mm -hmm. human. And I think, um, it's really hard to see because I started in like mass production and I'm sure you have seen all of this too, right? It's really hard to see. And it's like, it's very difficult on the people working in it. And I think it's very difficult on the consumer too. And for me, um, what started as such like a love for the craft, this like really historical craft um, and the love of making and the process kind of turned into almost a machine. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, as a creator, as a somebody who wants to create, it feels too engineered mm-hmm. for me. I, it's really hard for me to work that way. For some people, it works very well, this fashion cycle. And I understand that we need the structure for sure. But for me personally, I need to express myself through other ways. And I've been studying and I've been trained in sustainability for like gosh I don't know I've been studying it for like 10 years mm-hmm. I've been well really my life like starting as a kid by using materials that are around me to grabbing scraps of fabric and mending them together to make something in school like before I knew sustainability or what the heck it was I yeah. was doing it and I think just seeing all these different intersections of like mental health fashion sustainability slowing down and all of these themes like my brain just wants to keep intersecting them mm-hmm. and like kind of dissecting them and understanding them more and so um i'm gonna i'm launching a patreon actually and that will develop into other things as well um but it's kind of this study and exploration of all of these things and me allowing myself to create at a pace that really works for me and my mental health mm-hmm. while also having other outlets because there's so many forms of creation. And if you're a creative person, you know, or yeah. any person, you know that. <laughs> so I hope that's not too vast, but um, that's like my thought process of it. Now, I definitely want to go into each of those different aspects that you just mentioned. Um, but what does your structure for Vincetta, the brand, look like? Um, yeah. and do you have your own fashion calendar that you follow? So I followed the fashion calendar for a while. I did like um, two collections per year. And within those collections, there would be maybe two drops. So let's say like four drops per year. I feel like for a small brand, that's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I don't, I've been wanting an out for so long. <laughs> I kind of used it as my out. Like, I think a lot of us maybe did too. Um, and I will, uh, 
So right now, if I'm being fully like transparent with you, I'm refining that balance and structure. So I've mm-hmm. been working on that infrastructure. So first I kind of started with like intention, like why am I making things? What kind of people do I want to highlight in these in these pieces and conversations do I want to start in these pieces? So I'm kind of starting there and mm-hmm. creating kind of like a nice um, balance of, you know, marketing first, I would say, like to see how the year pans out and what's realistic and mm-hmm. then kind of seeing, okay, because that in its own is a lot of work and I'm yeah. like a one person team. I have like somebody helping me, but it's a lot. So now I'm kind of like thinking um, I might just drop um, like one piece at a time and like multiple colorways mm-hmm. and like fabrics that I find. I think that's really exciting to me. And it gets each piece to like shine. Like it has its moment and you can really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and you can go a little deeper into that one piece. So I think for me right now, fully honest, still figuring that out. But I would say realistically, you know, every couple of months, maybe it'll be like one or two pieces are mm-hmm. are dropped. And maybe for now, that's what makes sense for me. Yeah. So you have a permanent collection on your store. Um as well as clothing that you've described in an interview as basics for the non-basics. We'd love to know uh, your thoughts that led to both this phrase as well as the collection. And do they both kind of, are they the same? (laughs) Yeah. So like I was actually on set one time and my friend Noel was like, like, look at these basics. They're like basics, but for non-basics and I was like oh that's funny um so I kind of used it uh, and maybe it's like a bit of like a low-key burn because it's like you have to understand minimalist design I think like how mm-hmm. much goes into it and like the fit and the integrity and everything that goes into it and I think we're so like trained to be like oh this is like a very loud piece with all these prints and textures and colors oh my gosh and totally I mean I love a moment like that for sure. But we can't forget those really basic, like base layers. Mm -hmm. There is some integrity within that too. Like they're the first thing you go to that put on your body. They stay in your closet. They're like what grounds you. They're like the background for everything else. And um, so I would say that's kind of like how I think of those layers. And like, I'm so excited to evolve them because there's so many things I want to do with being a one person team. Of course, I have to be realistic, uh, like financially, physically, you know, time wise. Um, but I would say they're like the core and the base that uh, what grounds your wardrobe. Yeah, I think like the the term basics itself should be kind of changed uh, yes. to something more permanent. <laughs> Because I feel like basic has such a negative connotation to it. And I feel like it has so much more value than it just being basic. Um, totally. Yeah. I've so since changed the nice. phrase. <laughs> I know. Since changed the phrase. <laughs> but like, I did think it was kind of funny. And, but then I was like, no, this isn't really what it is really. Um, their core or base layers or. Yeah. I don't know. We can think of a new term. Yeah. No, I love how <laughs> designers or creators describe these things. It makes me want to have like a 
section of my closet just with basics. It makes me want to have it. And I would love to see this translating a lot more online. I feel there is something missing. How much ever we read, it's this connection or this one-on-one feeling that we get that's just not there online. No, it's just... It's been so hard to grow the business online and I've, I've worked really hard to understand these inner workings, but this is why I love the pop-ups. You get that yeah. human interaction. You just, but that's such a good point. And I'm going to think about that probably even long after we talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the pop-ups. Um, apart from this collection and your brand, what are you doing uh, with the pop-ups that we, you know, met each other because of it. Gosh, I love those pop-ups so much. I really did because it brought together all these different things in a physical space that you could like share with other people. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of times in retail, what's lacking is like a very welcoming environment. It can feel very like pretentious or like locking people out and exclusionary. Mm-hmm. And that's just not fun. Like we don't want that. I think it's like, come on in, like art is to be shared. Mm-hmm. And um, I think <clears throat> I started it out of a need of like doing so many markets and other people's pop-ups that were really just like not done to the level that I was hoping. Mm-hmm. And I'm like an overachiever and I take on too much. So then I was like, you know what? If no one else wants to do it, let's just do it. So me and a friend of mine put it together and then we called it owners because we wanted to highlight all the different owners and most of which were in New York city. And it's very expensive there. It's almost physically impossible to do this alone. Um, So we got a bunch of different people together, did the thing. And I think I produced like eight pop-ups through owners. Mm -hmm. Um, And over the span of like two, three years. Um, And something that's going to stay in the back burner for now, because I have other exciting projects that I really want to focus on. And I really wasn't um, viewing this pop-up as like a business model for me. It wasn't like a viable business model for me personally as a brand owner. It was more just like a platform to help other brands along with my own. Mm-hmm. And it worked for a while. And I hope to resume it again. I really do. But for now, yeah. it's uh, taking a nap. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll wake it up when it's uh, ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you speak of, um, I mean, going back to the brand, Vincetta, um, You talk about it, of course, being built on the values of sustainability and ethical production. And of course, it's a concept and practice that's being spoken of a lot more Uh, now and it has become a lot popular Um, but when you started Vincetta which I think was about was it seven years ago yeah I think so yeah Yeah. it it definitely wasn't um, you know sustainability or ethical production was not spoken of as much um, at that time how did you back then adopt and inculcate ethical production uh, into your process and what has your experience been like running a business, keeping to those values? Totally. I think it's really nice to see it more widely talked about now and become just more of a norm. Um, 
I think we still have a long way to go though. Cause when I look at certain pricing of things, I, I do take a second look of like, how much did that person get paid to make this piece of clothing? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but I think it's just feeling really strongly about, oh my gosh, like this is hard work. Try making a, a piece of clothing yourself. Yeah, you're either gonna like, I, unless you really love it, you're like, wow, like, this brings me so much joy. Um, you're not ever gonna pay yourself enough to do it because it's gonna take you forever to cut and sew something from scratch. Yeah. So I think about it in the kind of like that perspective of like, I'm honoring this person, they're making something that I have in my mind come to life. If I don't respect them, I don't really respect my work. So it's like, I feel very strongly about that. And I did, I stopped kind of talking about it so much to the brand because it felt a little preachy and it felt a little like I'm on my soapbox because like, duh, we all believe everyone should be paid ethically. And I'm like, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Do you really know what that means for real, for real? Because like, if you've gone into these factories and you've seen how hard these people are working and you actually break down the numbers of how much they might actually be paid, you might take like a second look at your wardrobe and be like, hmm. And maybe start to look at these things a little bit differently. But I've realized there's already a lot of people kind of talking about this now. And I want to talk about other things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but I think this <laughs> struck a nerve for me because it's still kind of upsetting that we talk about it. And I don't think we're actually doing it quite yet mm-hmm. um, to the masses, obviously, <laughs> like with yeah. my fashion and everything. But it's just something I feel really strongly about. And I think the reason why I held to it is because I, I care about it. And it's that simple, really. You know, I care about the people that are working on the things. Uh, sorry, not on the things, but on my pieces. And I want to make sure they're taken care of. Like, it's just like that. And um, in terms of, like, <clears throat> upcycling and, like, choosing to work with that stock, I think that's really important because there's so much of it. And mm-hmm. there's so much to go around. So it's like, <clears throat> why not work with what's already there? And yeah. uh, it's it makes sense for me, you know, because it's like the minimums aren't super high. Um, it's pretty affordable and it's right there, ready, ready for you to use, which is, I mean, come on, that's so cool. So are, are you still producing in New York? <clears throat> I am. Yeah. Okay. And um, I, I have my operations still in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like fulfillment and I do production there and I have also independent Uh, an independent sewer that I work with there. Um, I've worked with her since 2017. Mm-hmm. And um, we have like an, just a great relationship. So she'll do like a lot of the made to order pieces or like smaller runs. Yeah. What has that production process been like for you in, you know, producing in New York where it is definitely a lot more expensive and it ends up becoming um, expensive in total as well? Uh, are there times when you have met with limitations at all through through the whole process of being ethical and sustainable? Um, and what do you do when that happens? Of course, there are limitations because like if I could pay, you know, five or ten dollars per unit, sounds mm-hmm. good. I'm going to cut like really deep into that style. I'm going to make mm-hmm. as much as I want. But isn't that kind of like counteractive? Like it's if we want to slow down and make less. So it's kind of like, I think limitations are, I, we kind of view them as a bad thing, but I think in a creative setting, they're a very positive thing. 
because mm-hmm. it kind of you have to work within certain restraints and you almost have to become more creative or like take a step back and slow down and be a lot more intentional with like what you want to cut how many you want to cut what colors all these things and um so I think it like it works for me but of course I've been met with like frustrations of like I wish I could just do so much more and make so much more but then you go back to my values does it make sense with my values not really so Mm -hmm. it's like just like anything it has the good parts and maybe the not so good parts and um working with dead stock you know I can't just dream up exactly my ideal Mm -hmm. garment and make exactly that but I think I've just shifted my thinking of like well this is also a beautiful process I can like find something on the fly and if it resonates with me in the moment you just work with that yeah and I think that um what you rightly said was it's just about slowing down how many you're actually making how many you're uh consuming and how many you're selling to people right um I think we're so used to the idea of just so much in bulk like we're just talking about that so much more that it gets harder and harder to just narrow it down to just like be like okay I'm just gonna sell 10 pieces and be and make this much money and actually want just this much from my life and want this much from the amount of money it's like a mindset change altogether and like guess what too financially it's like more fiscally responsible and sustainable because I'm not in credit card debt right now Mm -hmm. I pay for my production and cash when it's ready I make my sales. I don't make more until I have more money. And it's like, until we stop living outside of our means, like we're going to see more fashion brands operating in the red. We're going to see more fashion brands going out of business or just businesses going out of, you know, going out of business. And it's not talked about enough, like that transparency of like how much money it actually takes um, to produce and how much debt fashion companies are really in. And I know mm-hmm. that's kind of like a, maybe it's getting too real, like, but I think um, it's a real thing. And I think young designers should know what they're getting into so that they can thrive. Like yeah. they shouldn't make the same mistakes as us. Like they should um, know what they're signing up for so that they can like really thrive from there and, and maybe make new, more interesting mistakes, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a nice practice to slow down. And one last thing I'll say is like, talking in bulk like I like going to there's a place called Costco here Mm -hmm. I like going and buying that in bulk like my crackers my toilet paper my whatever that's cool in bulk clothing in bulk not so nice yeah yeah no I completely agree um uh in terms of you know the the brand itself um and running a small business it tends to get challenging to focus in on running a sustainable business. Uh, We hear a lot about, uh, you know, brands getting external funding and having to deal with that and where that is leading. So as a a, um, business purpose itself, it's just to make a lot of money. How how is Vincetta as a brand sustainable in that sense, Uh, in terms of how do you find do you have a certain customer base that you've already built over these years? Is it still challenging to deal with the marketing aspect of it because it kind of everything has to balance itself out at the end of the day? Yeah, of course. Um, 
Well, just taking it quickly back to the pop-ups, that was such a great way to connect with customers and build like that solid foundation. And then you can, can sorry, continue that relationship over the years. And it just feels really natural. Like I'm not like forcibly selling to this person. They know what they're in for. They like, they've shown interest in the piece. And I've tried so many different ways of acquiring customers. Um, but I just think... Um, I'm still kind of finding what works for me in this digital space, if I'm being completely honest. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of just work within the people I already know within my community and then like word of mouth. And I think um, for me, I'm not spending money on ads um, or doing like a lot of influencer marketing. And I think companies just have to find what works well for them. Uh, and I'm still finding what works well for me. And I have those few creators that I really enjoy working with that I can mm -hmm. lean on and, and, or like lean into and say like, Hey, I'd love to do this thing and let them do what they're really good at. So I can do what I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think when that's well aligned, sales will inevitably happen. And, um, I think, um, I'm still learning in this digital age. It's I'm yeah. not a I'm not a marketer. I'm not an, a digital marketer. So, but I think in a way it's like refreshing because people are so used to just being like sold to at every angle, like this deal, this sale, and maybe it's nice to just have it be a little bit human and it's not perfect. But maybe that's kind of what we need, and that's kind of nice because it feels yeah. very genuine and like um, I know I like to support people, you know, people that are just. Um, being themselves so yeah no I mean you definitely you spoke about not advertising on social media or using influencers and taking that stance is going against the grain um, and it can feel quite difficult to get to who you want to get to because everything is constructed in such a way that you just have to like pump in a lot of money for you to actually reach people all of that right um what has helped you persevere through these difficulties? But because both with like even being a sustainable and ethical brand and producing that, as well as you know marketing in this sense, how, how has that helped you persevere through this all? There have been months where it was very difficult, and I was like, "What's happening? It's pretty quiet." Um, I didn't feel like making a lot of noise. I kind of wanted to in, like introspect a bit and, and be inside a bit. Um, I would say, um, but then there are months that are just really awesome. And it's like, whoa, how do I recreate that? Um, so I think this is a year of kind of like figuring out um, a formula that works for me um, that can create more um, fluidity or just like throughout the month. So it's not so drastic. Mm -hmm. um and like those months that are doing really well we kind of have to like make it work through the next following month you know and I think a lot of us uh deal with that um yeah you throw things out there and you try new things mm -hmm. and you have to be okay with it not working you have to be mm -hmm. okay with it just uh and you just keep trying until you find something that works and then guess what that thing is going to work for a while and then there will come a point where it stops working and then yeah. you start again. And it's just like that. Mm -hmm. 
for me I've no I've noticed like you know we kind of think of like permanence of like okay this is it like I just want to recreate that moment that's like a bit idealist so I think being okay with these ebbs and flows and like looking at it with curiosity of like hmm, what's going on and like what what do people really want to hear right now or or see right now and that's where you tap into community and learn from learn from yeah. people and instead of I think I've gotten myself into trouble when I try to follow what everyone else is doing actually mm-hmm. doesn't work that's where mm-hmm. I get further away from myself as a creator as a business owner and it comes off as disingenuous it stops mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. um so I think just like really leaning into like your intuition what and like paying attention to what resonates and what doesn't and what feels good and you don't have to be gifting all like candy to everybody. It's, it's not candy, it's clothing, you yeah. know, it's, you know, so being really intentional. So I'm excited to see how this year pans out and I hope we can have another conversation and like, we'll like kind of loop back. Cause you know, it's all an experiment, I would say. Yeah. And I love that. Love how you're explaining it as well. It is an experiment. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we will ever have anything figured out. It kind of is just constantly evolving and growing and learning. Um, but the fact that you're so comfortable and confident with it is so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's like such a beautiful compliment to start my day with. <laughs> sometimes you forget like, um, I don't know. Yeah. When you're yeah. especially now when we're so isolated, it's it's so nice to hear that. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Really I mean, I, I love these conversations because it's just I'm actually enjoying it being one-on-one when instead of meeting out in person, because then you're like you have so many other things to do. But this is like really getting to know the person, which I enjoy doing so much. <laughs> I love it. You're such a you're such a lovely host too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I feel like so comfy. It's like you're sitting on the sofa with me. (laughs) (laughs) So my next question um, to you is, is something that we see very often in the media and in public conversations is that the boundaries between holding someone accountable and criticizing them in a way that borders on shaming or canceling them is becoming blurred. Um, how can we as change makers incorporate accountability such that it is effective and impactful and not merely critical? You know, I feel like in mm-hmm. with anything, it's it's tending to get very aggressive, which I feel is doing more harm than good. Um, totally. <laughs> how do you see us making it more effective as change makers? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I think, oh, gosh, I think there's like a lot of inner healing that needs to be done because like the way I look at it is from kind of like a trauma perspective mm-hmm. of like when you're traumatized and you're like having a trigger, like what you do in that moment is kind of out of your scope. It's like out of your control, mm-hmm. like in a way, like when I've been really triggered. I kind of view it like that way. Or I saw a woman the other day who got really triggered um, and she was like cussing and saying all this stuff. And everyone was like afraid of There's nothing to be afraid of. She's just kind of feeling it right now. And she probably doesn't mean these things. You know, she's just trying to like protect herself or she's trying to do the best she can with the tools she has, like kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I kind of view it as like right now we're in this 
really divisive state and like we're kind of in like a healing of sorts and healing is ugly Mm -hmm. and it's not always so nice and it's uncomfortable and it's weird and it's a lot of feelings come up that you're like what and so imagine as a consumer like learning this new information and or like as a person in this world like I think we have such a short attention span and like okay this thing let's go attack that okay we're on to the next attack that like whoa 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 hold on a minute like kind of like reel it in a little bit first understand these things first before you start attacking them mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe just like reel it in a little bit and like I think we're in a time where everyone has to have an opinion on everything mm-hmm. and it kind of creates like a uh, noise and to me that's actually very harmful and that's actually not helping it's just making noise so it's like make noise but ha- like before you do that like kind of sit with that for a second think it through for a minute and like have that self-awareness so it's like yeah. if I'm having a friction or problem with somebody maybe just like ask questions and you can be hurt and you can be angry but you have to create a, a dialogue and a conversation for it to move anywhere otherwise you know the other person's not going to want to listen really mm-hmm. so I don't have that full answer and that's like such a loaded question but it is yeah I think um I've even tried with Vincetta, like coming up with a list maybe of accountability questions um, that we can pose to influencers, to brands, to other companies. Um, But of course, it's just one perspective. So this is why I'm excited to launch the Patreon, because this is where I can like really dig in and get in there and give the resources and tools as one person speaking to like my small community. But it's Mm -hmm. a start. And I think I'm sure there are other people creating those conversations as well. Um, so I think we just kind of need to reel it in for a second, like and regroup and uh, like have the tools so that when we go out and we want to hold people accountable, we're not coming from a place of like mm. friction and anger and trauma and like feeling triggered. We can kind of like feel those things, feel through them, pause for a minute, recollect. Okay, now now ask the questions now start the conversation you can't yeah. do that mid mid you know when you're seeing red that's yeah. just not good for you and it's not good for the other person yeah. or yeah. the company like you know and if the company is very large I'm like I don't care like fine if it's like an h H&M, like yeah go ahead like throw it at them they can handle it but um I think I just actually, I'm going to send you an article after this. I just Mm -hmm. saw something in New York. They passed an initiative that these large big box stores for fast fashion actually have to, it's either like they have to pay a certain tax or a certain fee if they gross above a certain amount and they're importing a certain amount of product. Um, I will send you that article after this. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's okay to have a bit of friction and anger and like, holding people accountable for sure. Cause that's how change can happen. But it's like, I think I, I, maybe I took it a bit too micro, but it's just in your day to day too. Cause I think that yeah. changes the way you kind of do things on a larger scale as well. Yeah. I think uh, I should have asked you this question before the previous one, but we do talk a lot about mental wellness and it is one of the pillars of your brand. Um, and there is a connection between fashion and mental health. Uh, but what has that connection been like for you? 
Uh, and why do you feel like using your platform? And I guess that's why you're starting off the the pet Patreon as well is to reel in this kind of topic as well. But can you tell us a little bit more about that and your relationship with it? Totally. I think bringing it back to one of the other points of earlier, I think it can be very exclusionary and very pretentious at times. And it can also be very overwhelming to feel the sense of like, everyone just wants to feel like a sense of belonging, I think. And fashion has the capability of doing that in so many ways, like whether that be um, ex uh, expanding your sizing, um, the diversity of your models, the people you hire. I mean, it's one of the largest industries um, to be able to, to provide that for people. But instead I feel like for me, it was very difficult never finding things um, that fit or, I think for me, I used to feel like, okay, um, I need to be a woman, right? So I'm going to dress like a woman. Like, and I grew up in the Midwest. Like I didn't see a whole lot, right? And I was always struggling to fit in and I never felt in my body. And it was weird. It was like uncomfortable. And I tried so many versions of me. And um, I think when I moved to, to New York and I was able to like lean in a little bit more into myself and just, I was still trying, I'm still finding myself, but um, I felt more comfortable doing it there. Mm -hmm. And, but still I would look at the billboards and other things and I'm like, what is this? You know, like, Oh, this is ick. And like, I don't want to, I don't identify with any of this. It's weird. Um. And I think it does take a toll on your mental health and like just wanting to feel a sense of belonging. Like I fit, like I can fit in. Like when you mm -hmm. feel like an outsider so much, like you kind of feel like you don't belong and you kind of need this sense of belonging and community because this is like human nature to like, and it's also human nature to like find yourself and to, to express yourself and to like find that fullest form of expression in all ways. And um, I think sometimes fashion can put us into a box and Instagram absolutely puts us into a box and society puts us into a box. So you're like always trying to either please other people fit in, get external validation. And how can that not take a toll on your mental health? Mm -hmm. I know it takes a toll on mine personally. And so I hope with this Patreon, I can kind of start more of these conversations that kind of maybe are happening now but they're a little more under the radar because they're uncomfortable and they're like maybe people haven't thought about it in this exact way mm -hmm. and hopefully it can make people feel like comfortable talking about it and finding their fullest form of expression beyond just the material thing that they purchase that's just one of the things but there's it starts kind of here you know yeah. and like I should be able to put on anything and like it not have to look in the mirror and like worry so much it's more about like, how do I feel putting this on? Mm -hmm. So um, I think fashion is such like a visual thing that we try to like make it look perfect and like an idealized um, lifestyle that is so like out of touch with the everyday person and even the people modeling it. Yeah. And even the influencers showing it, you know, so it's like out of touch in so many ways. What do you think we can do as brands and as retailers to really 
bring about change in this space. Um, because like you said, it's all over. There's only that everywhere, right? And we do feel insecure. It is real. It is a thing in every single household. It is. And <clears throat> I think there are brands that are trying to do it, that are doing it, you know? Um, there, there absolutely are. And like, we've been so much more like aware of like, you can see brands being more strategic in their castings, you yeah. know? the people they're showing, the sizes they're showing, the backgrounds they're showing, the ages, like the gender identities they're showing. <clears throat> so that's really cool. Um, it still feels a little manufactured a lot of times, but that's okay. It's like, where else are we going to start? Mm -hmm. You almost have to just start somewhere and then hopefully exactly. we're going to find a nice in-between that feels just like it's fluid, like it's normal. I chose this person because I like them. Yeah, And it, we're no longer seeing through a lens of like, did we choose just the right amount of this and this and this? It's like too formula, uh, yeah. too much of a formula right now. But I think we'll find it. And it's cool to see it starting at least, you know, because it wasn't even starting back when we were younger. So it's like a, uh, I feel like I'm always living in this gray area of like, <laughs> I can see both sides. Like this is a really positive thing, but here are also the things that bother me about it. Mm-hmm. Mm, which can be annoying maybe but <laughs> yeah um, it helps me paint a fuller picture and like be okay with it yeah so my last question uh to you is what can we look for what can we uh, see from you in the in the coming near future um and also where can people kind of follow you is it you, just your brand do you have a profile that people can follow you on tell us more okay um so you can find my brand at vincetta studio you can find me at um diana ansara and it's just the spelling of my name so that's my instagram handle and that's where i'll kind of be having more of these conversations to kind of like keep the different trains of thought like a little bit separate um for my own sanity <laughs> and uh <laughs> Um, I, <clears throat> you can go to vincettastudio.com to just like check out more of the brand. Um, and there like you'll find articles and the clothing and um, maybe even archived uh, shoots and stuff. And then um, I have like um, a website as well. And it's um, my name. So dianaansara.norby.live. And if you want to be like after, I'll send you all of the, yes. the links. <laughs> we'll definitely and, uh, add them into the description as well. Cool. Uh, so people can easily kind of link through to you. Um, cool. But thank you so much, Diana, for having this conversation. Um, <laughs> thank it's you. been such a pleasure to chat with you. And I hope we can do much more of this. Yeah, I hope so too. And, um, you know, like if you have a brand, um, a small brand like you know always feel free to reach out if you want to learn about dead stock vendors or um you know pick my brain i think we're totally making progress and like we're in the midst of it and i think um just as brand owners like remember like or as a creator remember how much actual impact you have on this on this world um even within your community so just don't take that lightly and so when you're making these decisions um 
don't don't move too quickly through it. Just really think through these things, every decision, and um, even influencers too, because we do have a very large impact as designers and creators and influencers and and brands. So, um, but do your best, and and we're, we're you know we're making progress. I love that. Though we have a lot of <laughs> young brands listening in as well, so I think that is definitely adding a lot of value um and and we all have are optimistic in where we're headed um which is why we're persevering through this so um so that that's definitely value add thank you <laughs> thank, thank you, you Diana. if you enjoyed this conversation don't forget to subscribe to the ikivi podcast a space for discussion on living meaningful and fuller lives each day The Ikibi podcast is a property edited and produced by the team at Ikibi.